Welcome to the Nonprofit Experience. I'm Sandy Sear, Managing Editor for the Philanthropy Journal. This week, Whitney Stanley and Mitch Yelverton sit down with each other to talk about their work as lawyers for Duke University and as current and past governance chairs of the Young Nonprofit Professionals Network, Triangle NC. Hey, Whitney. You know me, but I'm Mitch Yelverton. I am an attorney and I work at the Office of Research Contracts at Duke, as you also know. And uh, this is my second stint in a nonprofit. My name is Whitney Stanley, as you know. I also work at Office of Research Contracts. I'm also an attorney. So um, I've been in, let's see here, nonprofits for a long time in and out. So, Well, I started out at a nonprofit. Uh, my first job out of college was working at the Alumni Association at Duke. And um, I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I should have when I was there the first time. And so I was there for five years. And when that was over, I decided I needed to move onward and upward and uh, decided to go to law school, which is where I met you. Yes. And we knew each other what? Vaguely. I would say um, friendly associates. Okay. Acquaintances. Okay. Yeah. Let's downgrade. Okay. You're right. Acquaintances. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were in different sections. Yeah, that's and right. so... You weren't on my radar. Well, yeah. likewise. <laughs> but so after law school's over, I went and I was a practicing attorney for five years. Is that how long it was? Just, no, just just almost five years. Okay. Uh, so I was a mercenary for, for five years. And uh, the thing that brought me back to Duke was not only did I know how much I appreciated Duke in, in the rearview mirror, uh, but also I, I appreciated being around nonprofit people. And that's something I didn't have when I was, when I was being a mercenary. Um, but what did you do after college? I mean, after law school? I mean, I did, I guess I was a mercenary too. And then I have worked in this field, um, for a while for for for-profit companies, but then I got an opportunity from Lindsay Spangler Mm -hmm. who also went to Campbell Law no, I didn't know that. Yeah, so Lindsay went to Campbell, and I knew her. She was a friendly acquaintance, and I saw that there was a job opening for that office. I reached out to Lindsay. Lindsay was like, yeah, let me put you in contact with the right people. <laughs> and then, boom, I was in there. And then another opening came open. I saw you in the produce aisle of... At the grocery store. At Harris Teeter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great things happen at the Cameron Village Harris Teeter. It does. And I was like, hey... We got an opening. Would you be interested? And you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, send me your resume. And now we're colleagues. I, who would have guessed? <laughs> who would have guessed? It's all about the produce. Huh? Yeah. It's all about loose connections, for sure. Well, it's um, it's been interesting to me to come back into the nonprofit world. And before I decided that that's what I wanted to do, and I, I kind of had it in mind, you know, for a couple of years, but... One of my ways by uh, to of reconnecting to the nonprofit sector was to get involved with YNPN, mm-hmm. and you know I figured well, the people I see every day are mercenaries like me. Um, <laughs> they can't be trusted. Okay. I can't be around them. Um, but we decided that you know the way to do it was to go be with nonprofit people in an other than professional capacity. You know, okay. instead of doing it for work, go do it as an avocation. And um, I found. YNPN. What does that stand for? That is the Young Nonprofit Professionals <laughs> Network, Triangle, North Carolina chapter. 
It is a national organization with what, 40, 45 chapters? It's a lot. In yeah. various cities. Yeah. Um, and they had an opening, and I was looking around for board positions or volunteer opportunities or anything like that. Right. And I stumbled across YNPN, and I thought, well, they need a governance person. This seems vaguely like something I can do, um, <laughs> worth a try. And so, yeah, I showed up, uh, had an interview with, um, with some folks that we all know and Katie, too, Katie Todd, who's been, uh, on this podcast, I think she was the first person, uh, affiliate who, who with Ryan, yeah. affiliated with, nope, I think the first of these podcasts Oh yeah, was, was Katie Todd. But then also Molly Rivera, she was on this podcast as well. That's right. That's right. But yeah. I had an interview with her at, uh, Morning Times in Raleigh and, I ended up staying on the board as governance chair for three years. My nonprofit involvement um, after like after law school was the Women's Resource Center of Alamance County. Um, I host monthly workshops for women there. Do you still do that? I still do that monthly workshops. Um, now I do it via teleconference. Um, <laughs> can't do that drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I really like that. And I modeled it after um, the Women's Resource Center of Greensboro, their um, monthly workshops that my mother actually leads because she's a nonprofit attorney. Right. And so I pretty much stole her material, <laughs> um, revamped it for what I wanted to do, and then did it and made it my own at the Women's Resource Center of Alamance County. And so, yeah, I've still been doing that. And then also... I just like, I don't know, I just feel like nonprofit people are just better people. And I know that's... I like nonprofit <laughs> And I know, like, that's just something that I think that is not necessarily true. But um, I also uh, participate in Triangle Artworks. And they have a committee that's specifically for attorneys who want to help out um, artists in the community. And so I've been involved with that for years as well. And it's just, I don't know, I get something fulfilling out of that. And then, actually, in working with you, that's how I found out about YMPN. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, it's funny you talk about nonprofit people, being, <laughs> being better people. I'm not sure that that's really how it is, but... It's not. I just feel it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that struck me was, you know, when I was at Duke the first time, I didn't know what a mission-driven organization was because that was, you know, I'd always worked. I had a job since I was 15 years old. You know, I worked in Honda garages and I worked at Staples and I worked in all these kind of jobs. I was the warehouse manager at a furniture company. Uh, So I did all kinds of things. But it never really connected for me that there are people and organizations that are Mm mission-driven. You know, it's, it's not just selling something or making something or whatever it is. It's that people really have something that's driving them forward other than the business itself. And when I was at Duke before, I took that for granted. I just didn't kind of connect the dots that it was a mission-driven place. Right. I mean, we had a different mission than you and I have now in what we do. Um, but then after I was out and, you know, doing the practicing law thing, uh, it made me realize more and more that I'm a lot more motivated by uh, by the mission and by people wanting to do a thing, whatever that thing is. As long as it's not making something or making money. Um, So coming back, one of the biggest things I wanted was to be back around people who are an emission-driven organization and who really do care about what it is. And I think it really does bring the best out of people. Um, Agreed. Instead of thinking so much about their paycheck, uh, and I know that that's a dirty thing to say around (laughs) nonprofit people, 
uh, instead of thinking about that, they're thinking about accomplishing the goal. And that's, that's a lot more motivating to me than just trying to get through Friday when paychecks come out. Agreed. I think that's one reason why I do like YMPN is because it tries to serve those who do good. We try to do good for Mm -hmm. those who do good. And I mean, unfortunately, it is a sad reality that a lot of people who do work in nonprofits, I mean, they do have to think about the paycheck. And so by having a great mission and having a purpose, it does help (laughs) as far as paychecks go. But also helps with um, outlook too. That's right. That's yeah. right. You know, one of the things I was interested in when I started uh, with YNPN was I think that I was the first person who was a governance chair for the board. Really? Yeah, they had had um, you know all the standard officers, chair, vice chair, administrator is what we call it now, and all those sorts of things, and somebody interface with the national organization, but. This was the first governance chair, and one of the things that I thought about when I was coming in was. I want to bring some, some of that professional experience, some of that non nonprofit world, you know, for profit thinking process to professionalize what the board was doing. It's not like they'd never had policies. Right. And it's not like they didn't know what they were doing, but there was a level of of uh, formality that wasn't there. And so, one of the big challenges wasn't just making up uh, policies that worked or, you know, making sure that our organizational development was actually moving forward, but it was also getting people to think in a different way. True. One of the biggest things about that was with conflicts of interest and all that. <laughs> yes. Uh, people don't really know what it means and it, and it doesn't mean self-dealing, you know, right off the bat. It doesn't mean that you're taking money out of the coffers, but people didn't know exactly what it was. You know, can I push this off on somebody else. How do I think about this? And, uh, you know, it, it took a while. It took two years, I think, to get people to, to follow. To what start I in that mode. I yeah. mean, that's the thing I've, I think that is, I don't know, it's a concern maybe for people who do solely work in nonprofits is that um, there is no concern about policy because there is, there is a reason why policies are in place and they work there's a reason to have them. There's a reason to have them. In some ways, it is important to follow what for-profits do and mm-hmm. their experience as far as accountability, organization, having a structure that, you're right, nonprofits feel like sometimes that they don't necessarily have to abide by or they think that it doesn't necessarily apply to them. Yeah, we're all good people. Yeah. I'm not too worried about it. We'll work right, it out. Right, but like it just helps to make sure that we are indeed you know, doing what we say we want to do more efficiently That's right. at the very least. Yeah. yeah. Not just more efficiently, but, you know, the thing is that anything you want to do, somebody's tried to do it before. Exactly. Somebody's figured out how to make it work before. And a lot of times, at least in the stuff that I did, trying to get all that stuff in place for YNPN, the biggest thing was adapting it. Um, adapting big, big policies for big organizations to work with a small organization. You know, with a mm-hmm. relatively much smaller budget, with not just relatively, but in actuality, uh, much less time because it's an all-volunteer organization. There's no staff member. Exactly. Uh, so finding time to motivate people to go do these things and finding time to make these policies work for people <laughs> who have other things going on in their lives, including their real jobs, that was a challenge. And it is a challenge to implement those as far as continuity I'm the current governance chair, um, we have a huge board this year. Yeah, how big is that? (laughs) Uh, 21. It's all 21. (laughs) 
if, uh, if I remember correctly, we changed the bylaws where the maximum was 21. <laughs> yeah, so we have a lot of people, and it's a lot of people who are new. That's right. Um, so not a lot of continuity between, you know, institutional, institutional knowledge being passed down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so it's a whole new culture. And so with these new people trying to implement something that had that, you know, was developed by you and then trying to continue it <laughs> or clean up my messes, one or the other. Either way, whatever it is, the challenge is, you know, continuing it and then making people, new people understand the importance of it. Like you said, when this is all volunteer, mm-hmm. um, no one's getting paid. Mm-hmm. This is side, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, side work compared to what actually brings in income to their households. So I get it, Mitch. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> So you just started as governance chair for YNPN. Uh, knowing what you know, you've been on the board for a year already. Mm-hmm. Did a bunch of stuff. Killed it with the summit. Killed it with all kinds of stuff. Uh, knowing what you know now, what do you think that you guys need to do this year? Um, governance-wise. Governance-wise. Oh, just... Um, hmm. I think the thing that we should focus on is making sure that we have all board members operating under the same mindset mm-hmm, mm-hmm. since it's so many mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's 21 uh, it's a lot um so making sure that we're all under the same mindset and then um making sure that we aren't so siloed mm-hmm in which there's information going across committees and everything, so then we are able to remain compliant. (laughs) It's amazing how all of this stuff, all these different size organizations, all that, all these different worlds, all these conversations are about communication. Uh, Of course, yeah. Um, That's the point of this podcast. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like... Communication? I would think, like, I, I, like... I feel like this podcast really would help. Well, just even knowing about this podcast has let me see that, you know, nonprofit experience is different. It's varied, but we all got the same problems. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) I mean, in listening to the podcast that I've heard before, I heard, oh, yeah, that is not uncommon. Yeah, that, oh, I've I've seen that too. Oh, I've experienced that too. So Mm -hmm. it's all about communication showing that we're all in the same bucket. So maybe you can share some of the stuff that you've learned that right. helped me in my bucket. <laughs> well, you must have it all figured out because I haven't heard from you on YMP and stuff this year. It must be. Oh, no. Great. I No, no, no. So, like, it's it's just too soon yet. Yeah. Um, but um, one thing that I am going to change is the form because it has placed lines for signatures but not printed, and I can't read everyone's signatures. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Very practical concerns. <laughs> so I have a fair number of them, but I can't confirm <laughs> who actually signed. So the next board meeting, I'm just going to, I'm like, is this your signature? 
please confirm. Just keep just keep asking <laughs> until you have twenty one copies. Exactly, and, then and you that, know that is the plan. So I'm like, because I, I I can't tell. I know mine is in there. That's probably not a compliance <laughs> best practice, but uh, I think it would work in a pinch. I think it, it's it's going to have to in February. But yeah. <laughs> so how many were new this year? What there were were there eight? Okay. So that held over from last year. I think it was seven. Seven. So 14 new board members. Yes. So maybe it's 20 people. Maybe it's not 21. Maybe it's 20 people. Still, there's a lot. It's not split hairs. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it was only seven. Okay. And then, yeah, we have like 13 new people. 13 new people. Yeah. Well, it's a good opportunity for all the uh, the returnees to uh, to really pitch in. Oh, indeed. Put their backs into it. I think I think we all are committed to doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also love the energy of new the, folks. of the new folks. Like yeah. they all have like great ideas and are questioning things. I appreciate and, that. And demanding things, mm-hmm. and we're like, yes, let us see what we can do, what right. we can provide, because this is great. And I mean, I think this is going to be a really robust year for us. That's good. Yeah, it's funny. Some of those things, when you've got too much carryover, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a difference between having momentum and having inertia. Right. You know, it's a good thing to be moving forward on things and have a lot of momentum behind it for change. Mm-hmm. But sometimes even things that you think are going well have too much inertia and they're too hard to get moving. Agreed. Because everybody thinks the same way because they've been part of the same conversations over and over and over again. I mean, it's just like the membership question that's, you know, up in the air for YMPN. And, you know, you've made this comment. Everybody who's ever been on the board <laughs> of YMPN has made this comment. And that's that, are we talking about this again this year? What's different? Like, why are we not going to do what we said we were going to do last yeah. year? And it's, you know, first of all, we didn't quite make a decision the last year. But the conversation's the same yeah. over and over again. And it never really moved. It hasn't, at least in my experience, moved forward to decision-making time. Right. You know, it was, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Right. And that to me is an inertia problem. Yeah. And I find that talking problem Mm. is, I find that across Hmm. organizations in which. Too much talking. Too much. I just, maybe it's just personal, but like, I'm like, can we just put, do something and then correct once we are on the road? Can we like. Take action. Can we just, I know that we want to make sure everyone's feelings are accounted for and present, but (laughs) can we just, can we just, can we execute something, try it and see how it goes? Like. If it doesn't work. If it it doesn't doesn't work. It doesn't work, but at least we're not talking, we're doing like our mission is to go somewhere not to talk i don't think that's in the mission this statement. is not a think tank this is not a think tank this is a do tank can we please <laughs> just please can we just can we just do something and so i'm finding my voice oh here we go i'm mm. finding my nonprofit voice oh. in which i am like can we just do something can we let's just try it mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's try it and see how this goes. It I, might not be that terrible. I never I never figured you'd have a problem finding your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing what I know. <laughs> people wish I would lose mine a little bit, I think. I just, I, I agree, Mitch. I, I am a, I'd rather just try, like, let's talk about it so we don't hurt ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not you make know, rash choices. Yeah, let's not, like, jump into the pool, you know, without knowing how to swim. But after we have a few swim lessons, 
I think you're I think you're ready for the six foot. Go you take know? a risk. <laughs> Go take a risk. It's funny because you know lawyers are risk averse people. You know, we we don't want to take risks that we don't know at least that we're doing it. Right. And I have to force myself sometimes to be to take more risk. And I know it's hard to believe. Hard to believe. Okay. You know, I have to kind of force myself, like, you know what, this is actually not much of a risk. It's it's not a big one. And the consequences are small. Right. And I think that sometimes the bad, the worst, the, the, the bad parts of the outcome, uh, when you take a risk, are things that you can turn into learning opportunities. Agreed. And things that, you know, maybe you're identifying problems you didn't really understand that you had before. True. Because um, you can never make, you can never have 100% of the information, right? Right. Which should free you. That I mean, the should. fact that like you're not gonna have all the information, but I'm like if I am reasonably com- like confident in my reasonable skill, then take a risk. Reason and if it's a reasonable risk and like, you know the standard here is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Like if right. everything seems reasonable, we should reasonably be able to do this with no problem. Like mm-hmm. and if it's a problem, I believe in us. We, we can, can figure fix it out. It. We, we can, can fix we this can problem. Fix it. Absolutely, I. Uh, just the the risk and the consequences. It's nobody wants to make a bad choice, but I think people are too. But make a choice. Make a choice. People are too quick to sit down and talk. Indulge in <laughs> inaction <laughs> rather than action. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, like um, gosh, yeah. Okay. You know, and I, we saw that. It, that's that definitely showed up in working with the national organization to mm-hmm. some extent. There's a lot of talking that goes on, and there were a lot of very good conversations that right. people have. And, you know, these are forward-thinking people. That they're, they're not some, you know, also-rans. They're in big organizations, mm-hmm. and they do good work. But there are so many ideas about mm-hmm. it and so many thoughts about how to go and what to avoid that you end up doing nothing. And that's not, that's not what we're doing. I think the, okay, and what I love about, you know, nonprofits and everything is like I said, everyone wants to make sure everyone's voice is heard. Right. But I think in some instances, um, you need to, um, I don't know, select a few people who you trust to head on certain projects Mm -hmm. that you trust and let them put something out there. Let them go do it. Let them go do it. And then we can add some feedback. (laughs) But like, because uh, you're you're just not gonna get every make everyone happy, and I That's think a, a lot of times we do try to wait until everyone's completely satisfied, mm-hmm. knowing good and well that there are some people who will never be satisfied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'll tell you one thing that's interesting is uh, one manifestation of that is how many uh, votes did we have on things in the YMPN board that were not unanimous? I would say most of them. I thought that I mean. For big choices, I think that we got so far down along the road that everybody was satisfied that people would go ahead and say, yeah, I'm going to vote for that. And it would be a unanimous vote oh, on all kinds of things. Really? Maybe you're, uh, you're changing things over there. Maybe. Uh, even contentious, <laughs> even contentious things. I found that people were much more likely to abstain or much yeah, more likely to not voice their concerns and then go ahead and go ahead and vote for something they didn't really believe in. Um, you know, and I don't think it's for the sake of going along, but I do think it has to do with respecting and listening to other people's opinions about it. I think we could use a little bit more contention. Oh, okay. Let's argue. I mean, we can. 
<laughs> we can go there. Um, I don't know. I I would say that um, I guess the final thought on that is let's do more. Let's do more. Let's do more. Hopefully that is not an infringement on Lowe's. Or is that home improvement? Oh. <laughs> home Depot. Home, home Depot. Depot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, we're going to have to license this. So I don't think this can go on the air. As far as my professional cause, uh, I think it's it's nice that we can take what at its core is a money-making endeavor, pharma development and medical device development, and connect it to actual outcomes. Um, it's not just about dollars in big pharma's pocket. There are real outcomes. When you test a drug, when you test a device, when you facilitate research with other institutions, when you do all this kind of stuff... Uh, it leads to outcomes. And it's not every time. It's not always, this is the thing that cures cancer. This is not the thing that is the, the end-all be-all of hip replacements, you know, or whatever issue it might be. Right. It, it's not about every one of them being the one that works. But in the long run, you're developing new knowledge. You're making people's lives better. And it's funny because people think of, you know, especially pharma as, as this kind of big evil thing that's right. out there. They're exploiting people they're taking advantage of loopholes. They're they're not uh, held to the same standards as other you know kinds of organizations. Mm-hmm. They they seem kind of untouchable, but no matter what they think they're doing or what we think they're doing, the things they're developing do make better outcomes for patients. Uh, and I think that if people end up being better off because of it, then that's really the take home at the end of the day for me. I mean, it's it's easy to see, and it's it's tough for us because you know we're in a building that's you know, a quarter of a mile from a clinic, Right. you know, and we don't ever see a patient who walks in unless for some reason we're over at the hospital, which is really rare. But every time I go over there to meet a PI or to meet a study coordinator, whoever it is, uh, and I see people walking in and out of the door, it really humanizes it. And it's, it's easy to feel disconnected from that when you're looking at 30 page agreements, <laughs> you know, and dealing with, with CROs and, and doing all the the, not dirty work, but the uh, the gritty part of it. And, you know, you, you start thinking that it's all about, you know, the indemnification clause in the contract, and it's not. There are real outcomes, and what we want to do is facilitate. And when you can connect it to real people and you see people walking in and out, and you don't really know about any of those individuals, right? You don't know whether things are good, whether things are going poorly. You don't know whether they're getting better or getting worse. But you're giving them a better chance as long as we keep doing what we're doing and we do it well. Um, and I think that that's really valuable. And it keeps me coming back in the mornings, certainly. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I work in a slightly different group. Well, a different group, but same office. Um, so we're more concerned about, um, I guess, like patient rights and privacy of those um, of those patients and what we do, what other people do with the information that we get. And so that has been really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I love all the nuances that are involved in that. And I love, I guess my personal mission for work is I love to learn. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot to learn in that area as far as like 
U.S. privacy laws and then international privacy laws mm-hmm. and like how that's shaking up everything. And we got to know that so that we're in compliance mm-hmm. with all those things for all these people who have trusted Duke um, to hold certain information of theirs. That's right. So um, definitely agree with you as far as the impact and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you might not see them, but you know you're making a you difference. You know it's there. You know it's there. Well, and it's interesting you say learning because... You know, that's something that's very motivating for me as well. If there was a job where I did, if I was in a job where I did the same thing every day and I never learned anything mm-hmm. new and uh, it was just checking boxes, clicking clicks, that, that, that wouldn't satisfy me. But there is something new to learn every day. And, you know, problem solving is one of the things that I think is interesting, yeah. you know, and it's not just the learning aspect. And that's one of the same reasons I like to do the woodworking thing is you think, okay, well, I want a nightstand or I want this. Figure out how to do it. You know, I've never built some of these things. I've, you know, there's first time for everything, right? right? So you figure out, you're like, all right, what do I need? How do I solve my mistakes? You know, I, uh, I screwed this up. What am I going to do to fix it? And with what I have on the shelf in front of me, how can I solve this problem? And I think in a lot of ways that... That's art too. I mean, like in my painting and everything, like there's a certain look that I'm going for. And, and it's never like, quite that. It's not, I'm, I'm like, gosh, well, I got to, well... Whatever you skill you got, when you got to figure out how to get that look and pull it from your head. <laughs> but then that also that whole problem solving thing is what nonprofits are about. That's right. And maybe that's what draws us all hmm. to the nonprofit experience. <laughs> <laughs> Funny feet. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the nonprofit experience. If you like what you hear, please support our work. You can rate us on iTunes, share us with a friend, and donate to the project at bo.ncsu.edu forward slash give to PJ. TNE is a project of the Philanthropy Journal. Our managing editor is Sandy Sear. Our graduate editor is Kristen Gullihue. Our graduate assistant editor is Preston Whitworth. And our multimedia producer is David Mueller. This episode was produced by David Mueller, who also wrote our theme music. For more information on this and other episodes, visit us at philanthropyjournal.org. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Nonprofit Experience and subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.